0: Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We're starting the series. Uh, Jeff talked about our, actually in his prayer, mentioned this, this new series in the book of Jonah. Uh, we've got Bible study guides. Look like this. They're in the lobby out there. After the service, you can go grab one of these and uh, join us on the series. It's a new series. Uh, we're just starting out. We actually have groups, uh, have leaders. There's nobody in the group. So we've made space for you. Um, I'd love to have you join us in this series for these next four weeks. Maybe you've always kind of thought about, ah, I just kind of want to you know, jump into a group, but it's kind of scary. Um, this It's four weeks it's short you get a taste of it um and uh this would be a perfect time to to join a small group so you can talk to someone out the group life desk out there you'll see i think you see the little Jonah logo on a tv tv screen there in the lobby you can talk to someone there uh, a couple weeks ago, we uh, we did a survey on Facebook, our Salem Alliance Church Facebook. We asked a question: Who is your favorite Bible character? Uh, we put these names up uh, up on the, on, the, on Facebook and gave you a chance to choose from this list uh, your favorite. Some of you saw this list and were not pleased and added your own names. That's totally okay. <laughs> Uh, we, we there's over 2500 people were reached with this survey and uh, and and so the, here, here's the here's the top three uh, top three favorites number three was David uh, he's, a, he's a favorite of, of many and uh, the stories the classic Bible stories so many of them include David you know David and Goliath and David and Saul and their little rivalry and um, and and the second on list was Paul uh, Paul is a favorite and maybe it's because of his perseverance maybe it's because of his faithfulness I mean, he Wrote most of the of the New Testament. Uh, he, he's a favorite. And number one on the list survey says Esther. Uh, Esther, 26% of people who took the survey chose Esther as their favorite Bible character. And I think I think there's something within us. Was that an Esther in the room kind of saying, Yeah, that was that's my name? Uh you know, I, I think this just makes sense. Uh that these are these are our favorites. Do you know who got no votes? Absolutely zero votes? Jonah, yeah, no, Jonah's not a favorite. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's favorite is like, I love that guy. He got to be in a great fish. I hope I experience that someday. That'd be awesome. No, that's not, we, we, he's not our favorite. We would rather say, um, we are say I'm, I want to be like David. We aspire to be like David. Courage, tenacity, endurance. Um, soft heart uh, we, we, we want to say I'm David Paul, we, we, you know, here's a guy who, uh, who just persevered and it was, he, he suffered for Christ and he made such a huge difference uh, for Christ in the known world at that time and Esther, oh my goodness you know, we want to say I'm Esther here's this person who stood in the gap and, and, and kept a genocide from, from taking place. We'd much rather say, I'm David, I am Paul, I am Esther. We're not too excited about saying, I am Jonah, which just so happens to be the title of our, our series and this next month. Because Jonah's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a, a mess. But, but the reality is, is when you look at his life, you oftentimes see your life. It's like looking in the mirror. Um, the, the mistakes that Jonah makes are, are similar, the circumstances are different, undoubtedly, but the mistakes that, that he makes are, are, are pretty similar to the mistakes that I make, you make, we make. Uh, Jonah is a runner. God speaks to him, and Jonah doesn't like what God says, and he goes in the opposite direction. I mean, think about this in your own life, things where God's nudged you and prompted you to do something, and you've gone in the opposite direction. Uh, maybe you're, you're in your car, and you're at a stoplight, and you're there, and this name pops up into your, into your mind. It's the name of a person who has hurt you significantly. Um, they, they, maybe they've shamed you, embarrassed you, um, insulted you, made life difficult for you. Um, maybe maybe a significant a trauma in your life because of this person. And, and that name pops into your mind, and then uh, the, the voice of God's spirit then says, I want you to forgive. And... And you just get into this this argument with God in the car at the stoplight. God, are you kidding me? Do you you know what they did? Do you know what they said? God, do you have any idea that even up to this point in my life, they they don't even own what they did? Forgive them? Are you kidding me? And you run. And by the way, when we run, we run from God, you never run from God to a neutral, neutral place. You run from God and you attach yourself to something. Um, and, and so in this case, it, it might be running from God, and I'm not gonna forgive and I attach myself to being a hardened heart or a calloused heart or y- y- you name it. Or, or maybe you're part of a small group and uh, the group is growing and your small group leader says, you know, we need new leaders and they come talk to you after the small group and they say, you know, I think... I think God is choosing you to be a leader, and I could train you, and then and, and you could lead your own small group. And as that person is, is talking, like you are actually getting sick to your stomach. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, I, me lead a group? I, I, don't, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to lead. Um, what, what if someone asks me a question and I don't have the answer? I mean there's, there's no way and, and yet there's that prompting there's that nudge and, and you say no and, and you run or maybe it's that person at work, that big burly guy, that intimidating force in the office or that person in your neighborhood. And God prompts you to go just engage in a spiritual conversation with them. And, uh, and you're like, wow, it just feels so risky. I mean, I, I know them. And there's no way in the world that they're going to listen to me. And, and so you, you don't follow through on the prompt and you, and, and you run. We're all runners. Jonah's a runner, And we run for a variety of reasons. And Jonah gets his call right at the very beginning. Uh, Jonah chapter one, verses one through three, God uh, says to him, the Lord gave this message to to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Jonah gets the command, and he goes in the opposite direction. He's a runner. He's a sprinter. It's 550 miles from where he's at to Nineveh, and he decides he's going to go to Joppa, get on a boat, and travel 2,500 miles to Tarshish. That's how badly he does not want to do what God has has assigned to, to him to do. He runs. Now, why does Jonah run? Why does he go in the opposite direction? Why do we run? Why why do we say no to the promptings of God? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just it's just too scary what God's asking us to do. Um, I don't know if you know much about, about, about Nineveh, or Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were, were very brutal people. They committed significant atrocities. When they would conquer you, they would conquer a city, they would go in and they would just, they would just they would slay people, they would kill uh, people, they would take bodies and they would just mound them up outside the city gates and instruct those bodies to be left there as a reminder to the people in that city that they are a conquered people and then what they would do is they would they would leave some people alive in the city but as a reminder that they are under now under the domination of Assyria they would take some of the folks from that city and they would uh they remove body parts they would they take off hands they would take off arms and um they would a visible walking reminder that you are a conquered people And then what they would do is they would take some captives and take them back to the capital city, Nineveh, and they actually invented this uh, this horrible torture. Um, They they would impale people on poles. They'd surround their city with these poles of of impaled bodies, and uh, and then then they would take heads, uh, people who've lost their head uh, because of the Assyrians, and they would put them on on, on pikes and and put those around the uh, city so that if you're a visitor or if you're a stranger to Nineveh, uh, you, will, you will see very clearly just how powerful and how dangerous uh, and, and just, just who these people are. Maybe it's fear that keeps Jonah from saying yes to God. Maybe it's fear of that kind of stuff happening to him that gets him going in the opposite direction. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, think about it. You're, you're, you go home today, you have a great afternoon, you go to bed, and tonight you have a dream. And in your dream, God says to you, "I am choosing you, and I am sending you to Nineveh." And by the way, do you know where modern-day Nineveh is? It's it's Mosul, the capital of ISIS territory right now. So God says to you, "Oh, newly graduated RTI student, <laughs> who's now reconsidering your call to the nations," or, or you, I you know, I, I'm choosing you and you and you and. And you, and I want you to go to Nineveh, I want you to preach that your wickedness has risen up and, and you need to repent. I, I think I can relate to some fear here. I think I, I, I would say I, that's scary and I might want to go in the opposite direction. Maybe that's why Jonah runs. Maybe that's why you run. Or maybe it's not fear, maybe it's unbelief. You've probably heard me say this before, but when, when nations in Jonah's day went to war, it just wasn't two nations going to war or two armies going to war. It was the gods of different nations going to war. So that when a victory happens, it isn't just one nation being victorious over another nation. It's, it's, a, it's a god conquering another god. Now, 50 years before Jonah gets this assignment, Assyria has already attacked Israel, and they've actually captured some land which in their worldview would send the message that our God is greater than Israel's God, Jehovah. Now, Jonah gets this assignment to go to Nineveh and preach that, they, that Jehovah, has your wickedness has arisen before him and you need to repent. Maybe it's unbelief that, that creeps into Jonah's heart. Maybe it's this thought, they're not going to believe me, God. I mean, they think that their God is more powerful than you because, because they conquered us. They took some land from us. Maybe it's unbelief that turns Jonah into a runner. Maybe it's unbelief or lack of faith on your part and our part in, in, in obeying the, 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 the promptings that God gives us that, that causes us to run. But really when you dig into the story that while we oftentimes run because of fear, sometimes we run because of unbelief, I can guarantee you that is not why Jonah ran. Jonah did not run because he was, he was afraid of going to Nineveh. Jonah didn't run because he, he didn't believe that the people might respond to the message. Actually, it's quite the opposite. You ever read a book and there's just so much mystery and intrigue and you get to the last chapter or you've watched a movie and it's begun with, oh, there's all these, I mean, unanswered questions, and you get to the end of the book or you get to the end of the movie, and then in the last few minutes, it's just, it all comes together, and you're like, oh my goodness, that's what was going on. If it doesn't all come together, we call those bad books and bad movies, right? Because we want resolution. When you come to the end of Jonah, actually, you, it's very clear as to why he went in the exact opposite direction than where God was calling him. Jonah chapter four, verses one through three. Let me, let me read these words for us. It says, didn't I say this is Jonah? By the way, it's Jonah, after he's run, after he spent time in a great fish, after he's now been sent, and he's and he's preaching now to Nineveh, and now the Ninevites actually do repent. Um, spoiler alert, in case you haven't heard the story before. <laughs> this is Jonah. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. Now listen, because what's coming next is why he ran. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Now, Jonah did not, he he didn't go in the opposite direction because of fear. He didn't go in the opposite direction because of unbelief. Friends, he didn't even go in the opposite direction because he he was afraid he'd be a failure. Actually, it's the opposite. He was afraid that he would succeed. He was fearful that those dirty Ninevites, those rotten people who have done those horrible things, would experience the sheer mercy of God, and he went the opposite direction. Jonah possessed what the Bible calls, if you, if you look into the Bible, what, what the, especially in the New Testament, what the, what the Bible reveals and identifies as self-righteousness. He was not in a position to preach grace and repentance because he was inflicted with this self-righteousness. Self-righteousness its, it's prevalent in, in, in every one of us. There's something in us that, that wants to feel, that needs to feel superior, morally superior than someone else. There's something in us that wants our identity, our our thoughts, our self-esteem is connected to. We've got to be superior than than someone else. For Jonah, his his self-righteousness is manifested in the form of racism. It's... We are God's chosen people, those rotten people, those people who do those horrible things. God, this is what Jonah is saying. God, I went the exact opposite direction because I wanted them to get what they deserved. I wanted a front row seat on a mountain and I wanted to see them get toasted just like Sodom and Gomorrah got toasted. That's Jonah's heart. And it's self-righteousness. And, and friends, that form of self-righteousness is still prevalent today. There's this idea that, that our culture or our race is, is superior to the, than this race. And we, we're way more efficient. We're made way more productive. That, that, this is the right way to do it. I mean, that, that seems odd. That's, that's weird. And, and so we belittle. We have to feel superior than other races and and yet self righteousness may not manifest itself that way in fact it's pretty it's pretty insidious because self righteousness can look like um it can look like well i'm enlightened and um those bigots those racists i feel superior to them because i'm not a racist and i'm not a bigot can you just feel how it's like i'm better than they are those guys are idiots so i'm i'm better than them or what it can look like is you know, I behave, I make good choices i'm I'm, I'm morally I, I mean, I try the best I can to live a good life, and I look at those people and thank God I'm not like them. Those guys are a mess. That's self-righteousness. I feel morally superior i i i I've not done that. My marriage has stayed together. Theres didn't. We'll use anything to make ourselves feel. you know what? I've suffered, I've experienced pain like no one else. No one knows the suffering and the pain like I've had to go through, the loss that I've experienced. In fact, I feel superior to other people because they haven't had to go through that kind of pain and suffering. I'm 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 a deeper person. You know, I, I made money and I worked hard and I earned that money and I've actually handled that money well. I handle my finances well and that's why I'm successful. And that person over there who makes money, they, they don't know how to handle their finances and I feel superior to them because I, I'm pretty good at handling money. I'm educated. They're not educated. Can, can you feel it? It's this sense of, I must feel superior to someone else and we all do it. In fact... Um, one author captures this we're not in in the the position to even preach or receive grace because we we still deal with this self-righteousness this this superiority one author puts it this way he says to the degree that you know that you cannot feel superior to anybody else is the degree to which you understand grace I'm going to read that again it's really important this sinks in to the degree that you know that you cannot feel superior to anybody else is the degree to which you understand grace. Jonah is not in a position to preach grace and repentance to the Ninevites because. He's looking down his nose at the Ninevites and he wants them to get what they deserve. His, his self-identity, his, his, his who he believes he is, is wrapped up in his national pedigree. I'm a Jew. I belong to God. You're not a Jew and you're gonna get what you deserve and I'm gonna pull up my lawn chair and I'm gonna watch it happen. And that's... Why Jonah goes on this journey. And by the way, he will get to a place where he understands that he is no better than anyone else. He will actually taste grace in some very difficult circumstances. And um, and I don't know if I've already said this already, but you know, chapter one is, is all about running from God. Chapter two is about running back to God. Chapter three is the good moment. Now I'm running with God. Chapter four. Now he runs ahead ahead of God. This is him, you know, saying, "I, God, I knew it. I knew you were going to do this." And he gets, he gets ahead of God. And the fact of the matter is, is that that we also run. We all might be fear, might be unbelief, could be self righteousness. I'm better than that person. I haven't done that. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm different. And I'm, you know, we go there now. How do we practically live our lives in a way that we, what are some steps that we can take to avoid this Jonah-like tendency of being a runner? Is there anything practically that we can do so that, 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 that fear doesn't keep us from, from doing the things God's calling us to, the unbelief or self-righteousness or any other thing? How do we avoid being a runner? I just wanna give you two quick things I think that we can do to practically avoid this Jonah-like tendency. The first one is this. It's take time to reflect on what makes you say no to God. Take time to reflect on what makes you say no to God. Think about it for a moment. What are the promptings, the nudges from God where he's asked you to do something why did you say no? Now, now, silence the condemning voices. I mean, silence the voices that say, see, you're no good, and just get rid of those voices. Drill down as to, why did I say no? When God prompted me to go have that conversation, why did I say no? When God prompted me to send that text, why why did I say no? Maybe it was fear. If it's fear, here's the deal. You can turn that in a way to pray for yourself. Or, you can share this with your, your close group of friends, so those, those folks who are praying, they know you well. The, the way I like to say it is that people who love you but they're not impressed by you. You can share your dirt with them, right? And you, and you, just, you just, you know, I think I, I think I run and most times it's because I'm afraid. Can you pray for me? I think we need to take time to reflect on why we tell God no. And then turn, turn that around and pray it back to God. Second thing I'd say is this. Say yes to the little nudges from God. It's just, here's the deal. We read a story like Jonah, and, uh, and it begins chapter one, verse one. I, Jonah, I want you to go, and I want you to go to Nineveh, those rascals, and I want you to preach repentance to them. And it's like this, ira- even you noticed that God asks us to do irrational things? It's like, God, don't you know? Well, See Jonah, or or take a guy like Abraham. Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your one only son Isaac on Mount Moriah. And and then the next verse saying Abraham got up early in the morning, he went and he made that journey. And it's like, my goodness, how did he do that? I'll tell you how he did it by saying little yeses all along the way. It wasn't the first time that God came to him and said, "I got this big request I want to make from you, Abraham." no, it's these little nudges and promptings all along the way in which Abraham said yes, and guess what? He experienced God, he encountered God, and because of that, he, got, he started to know God, and, and he started to know the character of God. In fact, if you know the story, uh, what we were told in the book of Hebrews is that A- Abraham, as he's gonna sacrifice his son, he thinks, well, God will resurrect from the dead. Or another thing he says is, shall not the judge of the earth do what is right? Do you hear what Abraham's doing? He's throwing himself on the character of God. Look, I know God. I've experienced him. I've said all these yeses along the way and every time he's prompted me, he's revealed himself and he's right and he's true and this one I don't get. It's big, it doesn't make sense but shall not the judge of the earth do what is right? And, And we say yes and I think it's because of the little yeses all along the way. Friends, You will either cast yourself on the character of God in those situations or you throw yourself into your own wisdom. And Abraham throws himself on the character of God and Jonah, he goes with his own head about about who deserves mercy and who doesn't. And we, we can avoid this Jonah-like tendency of running simply by identifying, reflecting on why we say no and saying yes as much as possible to all those little nudges. Take that meal across the street. Write that encouraging note. Make that phone call. Send that text. Those little yeses lead us to places where we encounter and we actually experience Jesus and we get to know him. Because the reality is, is, is when it comes to, to following God, we, we realize that we're Jonah, Jonah can't, he's not ready to preach the good news of the gospel. Because it's this deal, it's it's friends, it's not just that we're sinful, it's not just that we're wicked. We're, we're, we're more wicked and sinful than we could even imagine. But by the sheer mercy and kindness of God, he invites us and welcomes us into his family. And that's grace. And Jonah will encounter that. Um, but one, one final story. I, Trina and I had friends. Uh, names are Corey and Sarah. Oh, it was a lot of years ago. We were leading a small group. And uh, our group was getting big. And, and so we wanted to invite some um, some folks to be leaders. We trained them for a year. And then they would have a chance to, um, to lead their own group. And so we had a great group. We had people who had, you know, you know, masters in divinity and, and bible degrees and so we thought for sure one well, of these folks would would volunteer and so we said hey uh we need new leaders and uh what, just let us know if you're interested in doing that and, and we'll um we'll train you and just talk to us after the group group's done people are talking no one comes and talks to us and says they want to lead a group so week two we, we think well maybe maybe we weren't clear so we'll just kind of share the need again and cast a vision because we going to multiply our group so more people can be part of this community because it's really, it's it's a rich community and we say it again and and again after the group is over no one comes and talks to us. Um, week three, um, we, uh, we 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 pitch it again. And, um, and sure enough, I mean, everyone's kind of leaving it. There's this one couple, this one young couple that comes up to talk to Trina and I, and they've made some pretty significant mistakes in their, in their short life. They're 21, 22 at at this point. Um, and, and they've, they've messed up and, um, and they walk up and say, "I, I, we don't really feel like we're qualified, but man, if, if, if you'll train us, we'll try. And, and so Trina and I said, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Let's, let's, let's work together. And we, so we worked together for a year. We trained them. We shared ministry with them. And then we let them lead. And, and they were leading. And, and then they multiplied. And they took some folks from our group and planned their own small group. And they were doing fantastic. And their group started another group. And it just grew. And it was just so fabulous. And then came the day when God made the big request of them. They said to Corey, said, I want you to quit your jobs. And I want you to work with this ministry called Young Life. And um, and there's this camp in Central Oregon, and today it's, it's Washington Family Ranch, and um, and we want you to go there. And and Corey and Sarah quit their jobs and moved to Central Oregon. And I think that they're, they're, I know they're still there. I think they've been there almost 20 years um, at, at Washington Family Ranch, serving that community there. And friends, that happened because they said yes, yes, Lord, yeah, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And they've experienced God in ways they never would have had they run. Friend, what's what's God saying to you? What's the nudge? What's the prompt? Where he's taking you is good. He's kind. He's gracious. He'll take good care of you. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter how bad you, you messed up. He'll redeem all that because he loves you. And yes, he even likes you. So as this series gets going, my heart and prayer is that you would just encounter his grace like only he could allow us to encounter. Let's pray together. So Lord, at the front of this series on the life of Jonah, we thank you that, um, I, I think it's a great thing that we could admire people like Esther and David and Elijah and these, these, these folks. And, and at the same time, we're reminded they're just normal people like us. Um, we often play the highlight reels um, Lord Lord, is just a normal guy like us, and I just pray for each and every person in this room as we enter into this journey together that we'd be encouraged, that God, that you would even want to use us, that, that you would come to us and ask us to partner with you. Thank you, Jesus, for that tremendous opportunity. Thank you, God. Thank you, our heavenly dad, for being so kind and good to us your infinite grace, immeasurable, so beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.